0: Ticklish Business, any way you look at it. Come on, we'll stick together. It's Ticklish Business, the podcast devoted to honoring and deconstructing the world of classic cinema. I'm Kristen Lopez. I'm Samantha Ellis. I'm Kimberly Pierce. And this episode, we are doing our yearly tribute to all things TCM Classic Film Festival. Now, ordinarily, you'd be hearing what we're excited to see. Or maybe if this was a post-TCM episode, you'd be hearing all sorts of amazing audio from the people that were participating this year. But much like last year, there is going to be a virtual event. Ladies, we can all agree, the feeling is different. Last year, if you recall, we did a quick tribute to the departed TCM Classic Film Festival that did not happen. We did a couple of episodes based on the movies that we would have loved to have seen. And the tone of those listening back to them now, it's a bit sad. The pandemic had just started. We were all hoping that maybe this was going to last six months and that we would be seeing a festival this year. And that has not happened. But I believe that the feeling has changed this year. A, there's more room to plan from TCM. Mm-hmm. with their virtual fest. But also, we're able to have a few more freedoms. Vaccines are out. Yay. I know Kim is vaccinated. I
1: am vaccinated. Um, Smith, I don't know about you. Pennsylvania sucks with the rollout. I have of course. my date, Okay. I'm not getting my first shot until May 12th. Oh,
2: my oh. goodness.
1: But so we're all
0: getting closer. This year's festival does not feel as sad. If anything, it's just making us more excited for next year when the hope is that we will all feel safe enough to go back.
3: There's definitely a hopefulness this year. Last year, we were all reeling because most of us were in a, we had hotel rooms booked, we had plane trips booked, and we were all set to have this yanked out from under us. But this year, I'm seeing a lot more people going, okay, well, it sucks this is happening, but we're a year closer to 2022. I'm glad for the TCM people, it's not nearly as slapdash as last year must have been. We're looking forward to some more interesting programming. They're using the options they have. I love the idea that they're going to use HBO Max to help enrich this. It's some great experimentation that TCM's getting ready to do. And I'm looking forward to see what they can do with it this year.
1: I would even argue it's something that we hoped for last year to have some unique programming with the fest. I was a little bit disappointed last year to see that it was basically interviews and everything we had already seen before. So it's great that this year they're including some fresh takes, some fresh films that they haven't shown before, that kind of thing. Eddie um, Muller and- doing an intro of
0: They Won't Believe Me with a restored print.
1: I am so excited oh, about I that. I saw that. Stoked for that. I know. Absolutely. I mean, you all know I'm a gigantic Eddie Muller fan. And I believe I first saw that film on Noir Alley. So it's great to have a full circle moment of him introducing it at the fest. There is a little bit of like a stake to the heart because we know that that would have been a fest event.
3: Mm -hmm. That probably would have been a big one. Exactly. Exactly.
1: But
0: we are going to make the best of this year by honoring the moments and events and movies and people that we have appreciated over the last decade of TCM Classic Film Festivals. So we are doing our top three TCM Classic Film Festival Moments, which you probably already knew if you listened to some of the recordings that we had playing at the beginning of this episode. We're going to be including a lot more comments from other folks who were nice enough to send us their memories. I do want to start off with the first one to set the tone for us. These actually came from the amazing staff at the Hollywood Legion Theater, which is a festival venue, if you have been to post-43 if you've been fortunate to attend the festival. We love them there. Their drive-in, for me especially, has been my savior over the last year. Bill Steele, who is the theater director there, said one major highlight for him was seeing Desert Hearts at the Legion Theater. The director, Donna Deitch, was overjoyed to have her film screened at TCM, and it was the most enthusiastic audience for a film we hosted during the whole festival. And then Tyler Umfenauer, who is their head projectionist, said for him, it was presenting a 70 millimeter print of Sound of Music, which we just talked about a couple of weeks ago from the original camera negative. It was a wonderful performance. And seeing and hearing it at our theater was a revelation. It sets the tone well for what we're going to be talking about this episode. I don't know about you two, but for me, I tried to be as egalitarian as I could and balance movies, with people, with just fun. I'm sure that much like the T-SAN Film Festival, I could do a top 10 or top 15 and it would be different. But these are the three that always stick out for me. Was it similar for you two?
3: I had a hard time being equal about it. I was sitting there going, oh, my God, I remember this. This blew my mind. This was amazing. Oh, my God, I remember crying through this. So there's no shortages. Of experiences, it's such a special environment and such a special crowd and collection that this was a hard list to come down to.
1: A hundred percent, because in two years I wanted an equal balance between the two, which is hard for a top three. Definitely getting all of the films in. I was just saying before we started recording, I feel like each film viewing is a memory in and of itself. And all of my TCM Film Festival memories are so high above almost any other memories, period, that it's impossible to not include all of them and all of the amazing experiences because each one is so unique. It's something that you're not going to find outside of the fest.
3: I mean, it's the environment. I'm a film history master's person. So I've seen so many of these movies on big screens during my film school days. But there's something special to the environment. Seeing it in these theaters and with this specific crowd, there's something that you don't get seeing it in other locales.
0: Well, Kim, why don't you start us off with your number three?
3: All right. My number three. It's a little hard because I think of this number three and I think of something else I could have seen at the time, which would have been equally special. But I come back to the Harold Lloyd home video presentation that Suzanne Lloyd did. I believe it was at the 2018 festival. I come back to this one because I have always said Harold Lloyd has always been my first love in terms of silent comedy. Everyone does do like Keaton or Chaplin. I always have to go, well, I like Lloyd and then Keaton. I carved out that time and I had to go over there and see that. It was such a special presentation because you got to see all of these home movies from the early middle part of the 1920s, because Lloyd was such an amateur photographer bug. He played with home video or home print, 3D print. He did so much with photography on his own. And the fact that the family took the time and was able to restore these things that, you know, we're lucky if we can see our own home videos from the 1980s. The fact that this family's preserved these informal, personable, just joyful moments that they had going back as far as 1919, 1920, it gives him a personality. It gives him a face beyond even the screen, which was just incredible to see. And then they could even sweeten that at the very end. They did a 3D print of the final sequence and Safety Last. That's still probably my favorite silent comedy. And to see that in 3D, it was just so mind blowingly cool. I could do kind of regret that I didn't get to see Grand Prix, which was showing at the same time, but that was just so special that I can't argue with picking that one. And that's definitely my number three.
1: I just have to throw out that I had to make the exact same difficult decision because Harold Lloyd is probably my favorite silent actor. But I went with Grand Prix and that's on my list. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're giving me jealousy, but I'm also trying to justify my own choice. It's so hard. You have to make the most- I'll have it when decisions. I hear
3: about Grand Prix. <laughs> I remember seeing that in the schedule going, no!
1: <laughs> Literally. I missed two films for Grand Prix because it's so long. But yeah, I'll talk Monster. about that one later. Well, Samantha, why don't you share your number three? Well, my number three- I knew as soon as I chose a film for this list that I would have to choose the very first film that I ever saw at a TCM film fest. And that was the opening night. Well, not the opening night film, because I never have been on the red carpet, but my opening night film for the 2018 fest, which was Finishing School. And it was a pre-code that I had never seen For those of you who are listening who don't know really how the fest works, you've got the grand opening night film. Pretty much everyone who has a pass to see that film goes to see that one. But then if you have the classic pass or the palace pass, then you have a choice of other films screening at the same time for your first film. Everyone who didn't go to see the opening night film, which I believe was the producers, went to see Finishing School. The line was absolutely insane. Precodes always get gobbled up by people who go to the fest. I got my ticket. You get your number, basically, for your spot in line. And I was like 526 in like a 150-person theater. As soon as I got my ticket, I basically gave up hope. I'm not going to get in to see this film. I still stuck around because I figured a lot of people would leave getting a ticket like that. Sure enough, I got back in line. So many people had left because they didn't think they were going to get in. And I was alone. I wasn't with anybody because the people that I was with went to see another film. They said, is anybody here by themselves? And I was like, me, I'm here by myself. And they let me in and I sit down and the guest, they had an interview between Jeremy Arnold, who's one of my absolute favorite film historians and Wyatt McRae, the grandson of Joel McRae and Francis D, who is the leading actress in this film. They had their interview and they go up into the audience to watch the film and Wyatt McRae sits right down next to me. So not only is it an absolute miracle that I got into this film, but I got to see Wyatt McRae's face watching his grandmother in this film the entire time. And of course the film is absolutely amazing. There's this adorable joke that I always remember where Ginger Rogers' character loans another girl in the school her bra. And she says, well, it's like putting a saddle on a Pekingese, but here you go. And the entire audience just laughs. And it was really my first time seeing a film with an audience that genuinely cared about the film. And it was the first that I personally got to see for myself, the whole audience camaraderie and seeing a film with solidarity, I guess, is the best way to put it, where everyone genuinely enjoys it at the same time and appreciates it. So that's definitely one of my best memories. That is awesome. For me,
0: it was really
1: tough. I was just looking at my 2019
0: coverage and I was saying that that was my sixth year doing it. So I have six years worth of festival events to wade through. There's a lot there. But I really wanted to pick a moment that wasn't necessarily about the movie, but was about the community, that sense of community that Sam was talking to just a few minutes ago. I tried to look at some of the unintentionally hilarious moments that I've had with friends watching some of these movies. Whether that's watching Kiss Me Kate in 3D for the first time with my friends and I howling at the Tom, Dick, or Harry sequence, which I can now not watch without laughing uproariously. One of the big moments that I loved was going to see Earthquake at the 2015, I believe, TCM Film Festival. This was a poolside screening, which I'm a big fan of the pool sides because it's that old Hollywood glamour. You're right outside the Roosevelt's. And it's really easy to go back up to your room because you're by that point, you're cold and you just want to get under a blanket. I went to go see Earthquake with a friend of mine, my good friend, Laura Gabrielle, who you might know as Marion Davies' biographer. She's done the show with us a couple of times. We decided to watch Earthquake. It's an Irwin Allen disaster movie with Charlton Heston and Ava Gardner. And I want to say that it was Ileana Douglas who did the intro with Victoria Principal, who was one of the stars. And... First off, the conversation was incredibly awkward between the two of them because I think Ileana asked at one point if it was intentional that the Victoria Principal character was supposed to be black and Victoria Principal has a big afro in the movie. So it really set the tone for what was about to unfurl. And the whole movie was just us laughing. And I think at one point, another good friend, Kendra Bean, who was Vivian Lee's biographer, showed up. And we just started ripping on this film in our little corner of the poolside, just making fun of Charlton Heston's virility and Ava Gardner screaming at everybody and John B.F. Bujold looking like a beautiful babe in the woods. And that's all before the earthquake shows up. So it was just a great, hilarious time. And I think that that's what I really love the most. And I think what most people miss is that ability to come together with other people even if the movie is bad, you can just find something really funny to make fun of and still enjoy the movie for what it is.
3: 100%. I'm just sitting here remembering Earthquake because I was not lucky enough to be there, but God, I just watched that for the first time last year. and <laughs> So bad. God, it's one of those so bad, it's amazing and a delightful watch. That ranks up next to the swarm with me and just I can't remember the last time I enjoyed a movie so much.
1: I still haven't done a poolside screening personally, just every So worth time.
3: it. So, Didn't get there with us once.
1: I always make it a point. I always miss the nitrates, except for Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer. And I always miss the pool sides. And I have to fix that every year, but it never happens because everything else is always just too tempting.
3: You can't beat the environment of the pool sides. Whatever the movie is, it's always a different experience, but. Got lounging out on those chairs. You sit there and go, I'm Marilyn Monroe. I feel so <laughs> glamorous and luxurious. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Kim, what's your number two? This was probably the hard spot for me. The moment I think about, and there's one more that's going to be similar to this, but I believe it was 2018 festival where they screened Bullet. And that was at Grauman's. And this was a movie I'd seen Quite a few times, always enjoyed that one. They were supposed to have Jacqueline Bisset there, but I think one thing led to another and there were some issues there. Sitting there watching this movie is kind of touching on the same sense of camaraderie we've been talking about. As I was watching this movie and they go through the credits, I think it is the opening shot where you first see the famous car. The dark green, the car people out there will be yelling at me, but I'm not going to take a guess and miss it. But the entire audience in Grammans just erupts with applause at just the sight of this car. Of course we have Steve McQueen there, but this car is such an iconic legendary piece of this movie because you know it's the best car chase ever captured on film, you know, and that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I remember looking around as I was watching this movie and hearing this applause for the car and going, "These are my people. The sense of community and camaraderie that, Everybody was on the same page, and there was such an appreciation for this film as a work of art and the history of it that they knew and they felt the need to applaud this. And it was just like, I'm home. This is the heart of this experience. I love you guys.
1: (laughs) I have to throw out that I was there too. (laughs) I went to that one. I remember learning in line that Jacqueline Bissett wasn't going to be there and being so upset. It was my first time seeing it. The thing that made it really special for me too was that my grandmother's favorite actor is Steve McQueen, and I went with her to see it. I feel like the whole demographic that appreciated Bullet went to see it, and that's why definitely there was that crowd vibe and feeling for it. Sam, what's your number two? My number two, pretty obviously now, is Grand Prix, this was one of the toughest schedule decisions I think I've ever had to make because I had to miss two screenings to see Grand Prix. Not only did I miss the Harold Lloyd screening, I also missed rudely introducing witness for the prosecution with my favorite actor of power to see Grand Prix. But as soon as I saw that Eva Marie Saint was on the schedule that she was going to attend, I literally could not have missed her for the world. She means so much to me. I had never seen Grand Prix, but going to the Cinerama Dome where it first premiered, I believe in the lobby, they had one of the cameras that they used to film it. And they handed out programs, replica programs to everybody. It was incredibly long. I remember I was so excited to see Eva Marie Saint that I sat in the very front row in the very center I was like, I don't care if this is a horrible seat for the movie. I'm going to be 10 feet away from Eva Marie. (laughs) My
3: head hurts hearing that.
1: I went right to the front row and keep in mind for those people who haven't been to the Cinerama Dome, this is basically the first IMAX. So for four hours, my body was at a 45 degree angle looking up at this massive screen trying to watch, and I was closest to the sound as well, which if you guys haven't seen Grand Prix, it's a very loud movie. The film-watching experience wasn't the best, but Leonard Malton interviewed Eva Marie St. afterwards, and it ran long. She was just absolutely incredible to see in person. And it was hilarious to me because it was obvious she didn't love the film. She loved the actors that she was working with, and she loved the experience. But this... 90 year old ladies like this film is too loud for me I personally don't go back and watch this one but I'm glad that you guys are here and I'm glad that you guys appreciate it and I remember I totally could not control myself I was right there about 10 feet from her in the audience and I yelled out we don't love the film we love you (laughs) and she did just the cutest thing where she fluffed her hair and she was like oh well thank you (laughs) So I can now say that I talked to Eva Marie Saint. And if that's not a great TCM Film Festival memory, I don't know what it is. I'm so
0: jealous. I take that back. I've been fortunate to talk very briefly with Eva Marie Saint on the red carpet. I don't remember what year it was, but I was the only one that she was going into the theater. And they tend to keep the TCM backlot people, the bloggers down at the end, because we're the people that tend to know who these celebrities are compared to the main press. Eva Marie St. was only going to talk to one of us and they picked me. It's fortunate to be the short girl in the wheelchair in those instances. And so I stopped and asked her, I think it was that year she did Grand Prix, because I asked her a question about James Garner. And I was like, please tell me about James Garner. And she said that he was a doll. And I was like, oh, thank you. That's the second celebrity female who's told me James Garner is amazing. Shout out to Rita Moreno. It was amazing. It's so great to get those very fleeting moments with celebrities. I love Sam's gumption.
1: (laughs) I literally just could not control myself. And I will say everybody rushed her at the end. They absolutely surrounded her trying to get pictures and things with her. I could have stood sort of in the line that they were forming, but I didn't. I was incredibly nervous. I even wore a black dress with red roses on it as like a nod to North by Northwest. But I was just incredibly nervous to even be in her presence. So I didn't go up to her. But if she ever comes back, I'm going to remedy that for sure.
0: (laughs) My number two was something that I was not planning on including, but it was probably the moment that I realized holy crap, this is a festival event that I will never get back. And it was probably, I think, my first year at the festival. It was 2014, if memory serves, but they did a tribute to Mary Poppins. And Disney is incredibly stingy with their prints, they do not give them away a lot, which is why when Sleeping Beauty premiered at the festival in 2019. It was a really big deal because it had been three years since they had done one with Bambi and they used to do them fairly regularly. So 2014, they did a tribute to Mary Poppins. I maintained I was going to be there when they did the tribute to Richard Sherman, who was one of the co-songwriters of the music in Mary Poppins. It was in the Blossom Room of the Roosevelt Hotel. So I made a plan to sit there the entire day in the front so that I would have a seat. And I did, I did that. They did the presentation and it was fantastic. But the end moment when they gave Richard Sherman a piano and let him play Feed the Birds, I started bawling. I believe I have it on tape. I could not tell you where that tape is because I did record it, but it was just so amazing to get to hear him perform it with nothing but a keyboard in this very small room where they hosted the first Oscars. It's just a moment that when they replay my life back as I'm dying, I expect them to include this moment because it was just chill-inducing. It was one of the best moments of my life. That's my number two.
1: It's my number two. <laughs> I'm making you up just hearing that. I was, like, I was, I I was going to say the same to thing. I'm like, I'm thinking about mystic.
0: it. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, am I going to cry? This is happening. And the funny thing is, is right after he did that, he left. And if you've been in that little room, there's two entrances in and out. I was going one way. He was going another way. I almost ran him over. It felt so terrible. But we ran into each other. He stopped and he talked to me very briefly. I showed him that I had a Mary Poppins pin on my lanyard, We took a picture. You can see the picture on our website. Those are the moments that you go to
3: the festival for
1: we <laughs> are all going to cry right now. That was, that, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I can only
3: absolutely. imagine what your number one is.
1: It was really your hard.
0: Two. It was really hard. So I want to throw out, before we start talking number ones, we got a couple more comments from people. Maureen Lee Lanker, the host of the Hollywoodography podcast. Maureen wrote, she gave us a couple moments. First TCM festival, the first event I ever went to. It was a screening of Sweet Smell of Success, and Tony Curtis was in the front row. He stopped mid-answer to one of Robert Osborne's questions to tell a woman in the front row that she had nice legs. I thought to myself, now I have just witnessed the pure essence of the man that is Tony Curtis. She also said that when Eli Wallach came to either the second or the third festival, he shared a birthday card he'd recently received. When he held it up to the microphone, it played the theme from The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. It was so precious and lovely and so, so him and just one of those magical moments that only happens there. Then, I can't remember exactly which fest this was, it was about six years ago, going back to my car after a screening of Imitation of Life, the Lana Turner version, at the Multiplex. I was leaving with my friend Oriana, and we noticed in front of us on the escalator was George Chikaris. We stopped him, asked him for a photo, and he was so gracious and lovely and excited that two random girls in the mall in their 20s recognized him and were fangirling out over him. He wasn't even a guest that year. He was just attending the same screening I'd been at, a movie fan just like the rest of us. Maureen has the best encounters. I'm following her next year.
1: Those are, I know, I know. Incredible. Now. I will also agree I've met George Shakiris before. He is an absolute gem. And we also got
0: a tweet from Irene Turner at Renola who said, While attending the opening night film, A Star is Born, everyone around me realized we were sitting near Eli Wallach and we all stood to applaud him. Eli Wallach got around, too, at the festival when he was going.
3: I'm noticing that. Kim, what is your number one? This was hard. I think it was in the same block of films as Bullet in 2018. We did the Friday night film, and I want to say it was early Saturday. They screened Sunset Boulevard. It was 2018. It was my first time ever having been at Grauman's. I grew up a classic Hollywood fan, went to Hollywood a few times, was never able to go anywhere beyond the courtyard. This experience of getting to go into Grauman's was a first time for me. It had been something I'd been dreaming about since I was 10 years old, being able to sit inside this iconic theater and be able to just be there and see a film to have my first film be sunset Boulevard was, and have Nancy Olson was there. She was, I've written it so many times, but it's still, when I grew up, I wanted to be Betty Schaefer. That was one of my favorite films, probably my favorite Billy Wilder films. There's just so much of this movie that sticks with me and was so deeply ingrained to have, her there and to be, I remember sitting in this audience and wandering around and taking pictures of the ceiling. I was just that person for that experience. Once again, this moment of camaraderie. I remember watching the sequence where William Holden gets out of the pool and she goes, Come here, let me dry you. I remember the entire audience just, I think somebody hooted and I think the entire audience bursted out into applause. And then it's like, Once again, you're, you're going, These are my people. This is just incredible. I get chills just thinking about how exciting that experience was and being there for that film for the first time. And it was just a culmination of everything I've dreamed about since childhood. Oh, Oh, my
1: gosh. Samantha, what about you?
0: What's your number one?
1: Okay, so my number one isn't a film. I don't know about you guys, but when I was thinking about this list, my number one was incredibly easy because... Not only is this my best film festival memory, it's just one of my best memories, period. I'm gonna get emotional again, oh my gosh. It was when we were at the 2019 festival, just the entire after party was incredible. I was there with my sister, we were in this room, I mean, this incredible room where, again, the Academy Awards had taken place, The people that I was surrounded by, it was absolutely insane. I was there, Kristen, you introduced me to Monica Henry, and she was there. I remember very distinctly sitting with you and Monica, and then Dave Carger just walks up to us. He sticks out his hand, he goes, hi, I'm Dave. And I realized completely, 100%, he would not have walked up to us if you had not been there. (laughs) My dear friend, Virginie, she's another fellow blogger. And this just goes to show the festival and the power that it has. She is primarily French Canadian from a totally different part of the world. And she knew Monica too. She had been talking to her. She knew her right off the bat. And I remember just drinking and having so much fun with you guys, just sort of seeing where I was and seeing the people that I was with. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that I get to be here and get to experience this. I'm not going to go into too much detail about it flirting with Eddie Muller. <laughs> you had- got to interview him. I did. I had interviewed him earlier that day. We talked about some of the things that we talked about in the interviews so off the record. Probably the best night of my life, if I'm going to put that Label on it. It was just incredible, and I can't wait for more moments like that. Sam, you can
0: find it on your Facebook. I literally just shared it, but it popped up in my memories that on this day two years ago, you and I met face to face for the first time.
1: That was an <laughs> honorable mention. It was. We're gonna talk about it. Uh, I about that one. It was just kind of insane to me too. That I've been two years. I've been to the twenty eighteen and the twenty nineteen. And the fact that at the 2019, I had established myself more as a blogger and more on social media and people were just pointing me out, like they knew who I was. Not only that, but I recognized so many classic film bloggers and so many people I knew just from the internet and who loved the same things that I did. I can't imagine what going again would be like, because it really blows up more and more every year as far as me being involved in the community.
3: You knew me by my picture. I remember you going, oh my God, you're Mary
1: Astor. And I'm like, oh my God. I
3: remember. That. Oh my God.
1: And yeah, I mean, We could just do this all day, but I mean, the whole time that we were at Pig and Whistle together, drinking all of the Hollywood cocktails and just talking yes. about. I, I was not drinking all line. the Hollywood
0: cocktails because I am a lightweight.
1: <laughs> and going to Larry Edmonds.
0: Yes. Money. <laughs> I think we spent two hours in Larry Edmonds. Me and Samantha asking the poor guy behind the counter to show us all the stills of (laughs) all of our favorite people. I pulled out the ones that I've not framed yet. They're in my closet and I need to get to that. So my number one, it was tough. It was tough. I had a lot of options, but I got to go back to the 2015 TCM Classic Film Festival for a moment that sticks out to me. And that is... A conversation with Shirley McLean. I did not have a conversation with Shirley McLean, but it was a tribute to Shirley McLean. I think it was Leonard Malton who did the discussion, but usually these conversations are very formal. It's the host asking the questions to the person and having this discussion. I've seen them do these conversations before with Elliot Gold, Richard Sherman, but Shirley was different. Shirley, Gave no Fs about anything and just started talking off the cuff. And it slowly devolved into the audience shouting out names of people that she had worked with or knew. And she was answering the question, whether she like this person? What she thought about them? Puns about Jack Nicholson with no pants on. It was just bonkers. And they literally had to cut her off and told her, you have to leave. We're out of time. And it was... The most lovingly chaotic conversation I've ever seen where poor Leonard just had to step back and be like, I've lost control of this discussion and we're just going to let her go. But it was fantastic just getting to hear her talk about all of these people, just sitting at her feet, so to speak, and hearing these stories. It's why we get so sad, I think, when these stars pass, because... You lose that history. It becomes watered down second, third, fourth hand. To sit in a room with Shirley MacLaine talking about how she still doesn't really care for Deborah Ware is just amazing. It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I know the Sherman thing should have probably been one, but Shirley gets my heart for just not
3: caring what she said at that point. Here uncensored Shirley MacLaine should be number one, I think. I would it was great.
1: <laughs> If I die not having ever been in the presence of Shirley MacLaine, I will have not lived a full life. That is all I'm going to say.
0: I mean, you never know. You never know. One day we might get Shirley on here. (laughs) We had another email that I didn't want to forget. It came from our good friend Sean Moore, who we get to see regularly at the festival. But Sean wrote, since I've been to all the TCM Classic Film Festivals in Hollywood, I have lots of great memories and hope to have more. The one that I think checked all the boxes for me was the first festival in 2010, closing night film at Brahmin's Chinese, or whatever the theater was called that year. It was the North American premiere of The Restored Metropolis, with live original music by the Alloy Orchestra. Several things made that event so exciting. I had always enjoyed the film, but only seen it in its truncated form and on a TV screen. Knowing the missing footage had been discovered and feeling privileged to see it at this historic venue... Watching it with like classic film fanatics who shared the same appreciation and enthusiasm, the music blew me away to such a degree that I reached out to the Alloy Orchestra a week later to find out if their score would be part of the home video release. Initially, it was supposed to be, but fell through. So I bought their score on CD to play along with my Blu-ray of the film. And the culmination of such a great weekend of wonder and kinship being the first festival, no one knew what to expect, which was rewarded when they announced that Sunday night, I believe, that there would be a second festival the next year in those first couple of years, it was a bit in doubt. It'll take a lot to top that evening for me, but they have come close. Sean, you're awesome. We also just got another email. This comes to us from our good friend, Karen Hansberry, who you might also know. She said, hi, Kristen, here are some of my many, many pictures from TCMFF's past. And she included a lot of great photos. Um, Maybe we'll try to find a way with Karen's permission to include them, but it's a lot Great moments with good friends. Our good friend Alan K. Rody is in here and Victoria Mature. It's great to look at these pictures. I believe Karen has a photo here of Cicely Tyson that it looks awesome. And she met to Kevin. We also received a memory from one of the TCM employees. This comes to us from Lindsay Griffin, Senior Manager of Brand Activations and Partnership, as well as the TCM Film Festival Manager. Lindsay writes, at the 2015 festival, I had to sit with Alex Trebek at Christopher Plummer's hand and footprint ceremony. A Getty image was taken that has been frequently used for him, and in the moment I was so mad. I didn't have makeup on, my hair is so greasy, and I didn't have sunglasses. Of course, now I love this photo because we were both laughing. Then that night, I saw him introduce Apollo 13 with James Lovell in the audience, which was amazing. Thanks so much, Lindsay. We were also sent some audio memories, which we were going to play for you now. The first comes to us from Millie Decherico, who is content manager for programming at TCM. You might know her as the programmer for TCM Underground. Let's give Millie a listen.
2: So I think my favorite memory, or one of my favorite memories from the TCM Classic Film Festival was the year that we got to play Zardoz at midnight. Simply because it felt like... People were genuinely curious about seeing this movie and I can't blame them because it is a very curious, strange movie. I think people didn't know what they were really in for and I tried my best to explain the plot a little bit so that people wouldn't go in completely blind. It was funny because I remember several people after we played it throughout the weekend were coming up to me being like, oh my god, thank god you talked about this film because I would have literally not known what was going on. And we really appreciated just a little bit of context for what this movie was about. And that made me laugh a lot. But it was a really fun experience to join those people at midnight for that movie in particular, but also every midnight. I just love the midnight crowd. They're super fun and game for anything. And they really get into it. It's my favorite part of the film festival. Even though I have many, it's just the one that is really special to me.
0: Our next memory comes to us from TCM's VP of Studio Production, Ann Wilson. Let's see what she says is her favorite TCM Classic Film Festival memory.
4: One of my all-time favorite fest moments was at the 2012 TCM Classic Film Festival. We had Kim Novak there. She was our guest for the live from the TCM Classic Film Festival. That show is a ton of work, but they're always so rewarding. And she was really one of our best guests. She had a ton of stories. I think she was one of those people who Hollywood did wrong. And so she left Hollywood. And I think she had a lot of resentments that she shared with Robert Osborne that day. And she really left nothing out there. It was a very emotional interview. She started to cry and I think she had everyone in the audience in her hand. And I remember the next day she did her hand and footprint ceremony at the TCL Chinese Theater. And I remember she put her hands in the cement and then she held them out and she had the biggest smile on her face. It was like she had just given confession and there was just a relief. And a piece to her. And I actually think I teared up. It was just such a powerful moment. So that would be one of my favorite moments.
0: And the final memory we were sent comes courtesy of Yakov Friedman, the fan engagement senior manager, who you might know as the overseer of KCM Backlot. Let's let Yakov share his favorite KCM memory.
5: Hey, my name is Yaakov Friedman. I work with Turner Classic Movies, and my favorite memory from the TCM Classic Film Festival was just a few years ago in 2018. One of the things a TCM staffer does during the fest is what we call venue host. That's where we get up there before the movie begins, and we tell everyone to turn off their phones, and we announce any new TBA screenings that have been scheduled, and we introduce the talent who will be speaking right before the movie. Three years ago, I was venue hosting on a Saturday night in House 4 of the Chinese Multiplex. House 4 is the small theater that's equipped to to 35mm, and it's always a hard ticket to get into. That night, we were showing The Raven, the Roger Corman movie from 1963. It has Vincent Price, and it's got Boris Karloff in it. And it isn't what we would consider the best movie in the world, but we were showing it in 35mm, and it looks fantastic in 35 And we also got Sarah Karloff to speak about the movie right beforehand, and she's always a blast. She was interviewed by TCM author Jeremy Arnold, and he really knows his stuff. And their interview was a lot of fun. And then, right before the movie, we did something a little different. We had a poetry reading. So here's a little inside baseball. We had originally planned to have actor Ron Perlman there to read The Raven, the poem by Edgar Allan Poe. Ron Perlman is a big guy, and he's got this beautiful, deep voice, and it would have been really cool, but at the last minute, he had to cancel because he got cast in a movie that was shooting out of town. But instead of canceling the poem, one of our talent producers, a woman named Brandy Austin, said, I know someone who could do it. And she called an actor she knew named Casey Campbell. This guy, Casey Campbell, he said yes, he shows up, And right before we dim the lights, he steps up and reads the poem. And it's amazing. Everyone knows the poem, Once Upon a Midnight Dreary, While I Pondered Weak and Weary. But I don't think anyone had ever heard it like this before. It was a performance. It was emotional. It wasn't stagey. It wasn't fake in any way. And everyone there who was watching was just riveted. I had to leave right after the poem because I never get to actually see the movies at the fest, and I walked out with Charlie Tavish, who was TCM's head of programming, and we were just blown away by Casey Campbell and his reading of this poem. I said to Charlie, that was the best thing I've seen all weekend. And Charlie said, yeah, me too. I guess that's what I really love about the TCM Classic Film Festival. We can do these unexpected things that turn out to be better than anyone would have imagined.
0: So thank you, everybody who sent in memories. I do want to throw out some honorable mention. I had a lot of honorable mentions. I stuck to three. It was hard. I had to throw out the 2017 Classic Film Festival. This was the year that I was committed, no matter what, to seeing Jean-Vierre Boujol in King of Hearts. It's a 1966 anti-war French comedy film. Not really my thing, the movie per se, but she was going to introduce it. I've been in love with Anne of the Thousand Days since I was in the sixth grade, and she is my favorite actress of all time. I was committed to seeing her in this performance, in this film. I could have probably been a creep and followed her outside after she left, as I know a couple of people did, to try to talk to her, but I did not. It was great just to have that moment of sixth grade Kristen getting to see the actress that made her love movies in a very different movie than the movie that she has loved. So that was a great moment for me. The 2017 festival also was the year after Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher had passed. And so they were showing 1990s postcards from The Edge. I was also very excited to see this. I sat next to a woman who alleged to have been a friend of Debbie Reynolds No reason to believe she was not. No reason to believe she was. But she was sitting next to me and overhearing her conversation was a fun moment in itself. And she gave me an unintentional tagline that I drop a casual conversation all the time with absolutely no context. That was all before the movie started. Seeing the movie, which I had never seen before, was fantastic. But they did a conversation with Todd Fisher and Richard Dreyfuss and Ben did the moderating. You can actually go back and listen to the audio because I did include it. It's on our TCM audio episodes from that festival year. Richard Dreyfuss got really emotional, became very upset. We're all crying in this theater. We just watched this movie. It was heartbreaking. Now, mind you, after we left, he was getting into the elevator at the... Highland Center because they showed it in the multiplex. His wife was completely happy with us getting in the elevator with them, but his bodyguard said no. And Richard Dreyfus did wave to me, which was really great. That's the litany of emotions you're dealing with here, where one minute you're sobbing and the next you're happy that you're possibly going to share a elevator with Richard Dreyfus. That is always going to be one that sticks out for me. And then, of course, the one that almost made this list, it was, I believe, 2018. They showed the Sea Wolf. It was the first time I was going to go see see Seawolf. I have told this story numerous times, but it was the moment I realized that I loved John Garfield with all my heart. It's also the moment that I realized I was incredibly ill (laughs) because I went to TCM that year and had the worst cold in the history of colds. I look back on that now, actually, and that moment is just very weird because I Kept going. I went to the festival sick with cold. Was a cold. Um, night. Exact Kim was there. I went back to the hotel room. I called my mom. I'm like, I think I have a fever. I think I'm sick. Kim and I walked over to the CVS to load me up on Ferroflu. Mm. But I look back on that now as our post-pandemic world. And I was like, I should not have gone out. I should have stayed home or I should have bought a mask or something to protect others because. I would hate to think that I infected other people with my cold. That's the thing about festivals that are going to definitely look askance of how do we make sure. A lot of people get colds and you know, we talk about fest flu and con crud and stuff like that, people getting sick all the time. But that is the one moment where I look back on telling that story now and I'm like, eh, I don't know if it's as funny as, as it was at the time, but I will always have a great moment where I can say that John Garfield literally
3: made me break out in fever. Good for him. (laughs) Kim, any honorable mentions for you? I'm glad you mentioned that one because that rakes in as one of the honorable mentions for me too. Being taking me to CBS
0: and, and getting me
3: paraflu. Sitting, <laughs> I remember how rocked your world was by John Garfield, even through all the haze. I remember sitting there with you and just sharing that experience. So. I feel
0: horrible because I think at one point I leaned over to you and told you this <laughs> as again, I'm violently ill. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was at that screening and I saw you and I was a fan of you and had not met you yet. <laughs> so it's just so weird how our lives were parallel at that time.
3: Wasn't that the night we tried the midnight screening that night too? Yeah, I and think so. Was, yeah. You were getting sick and you had that fever and we kept pushing it and that's looked a- Great and the bad thing with those fests that you just keep going and going. And the fact that I did for four days. Now, mind you, I think 2019, I got sick
0: after the festival.
3: Another honorable mention that pops out is Kristen, you and I sing Roadhouse together. We all know how I feel about Richard Woodmark. And- We all know how I feel about Cornell Wilde
0: and how much I despise
3: him. Having that wide dearth of emotions, the awesomeness that was Ida Lupino and Richard Widmark and then Cornell being there, that was one of my first times at the Egyptian. So many amazing experiences at the Egyptian from that to Witness for the Prosecution Sorry to touch on that, Sam, because that was a mind blowing one for me. Sleeping Beauty. It's just everything about it. I could keep going all day with honorable mentions.
1: You're hurting my heart here. I was at Sleeping (laughs) Beauty though, so at least I have that. (laughs) I have so many. I'm going to try to go through them very quickly. None Shall Escape with Marsha Hunt. It was the first time I had seen her in person. And it was also the first Eddie Muller interview I had ever seen, loving him as much as I do. So that was just an incredible moment. The first time that I was at the fest and had seen a guest of that magnitude. So seeing the absolute lavish applause and standing ovation and just the shared love that we all had for her was so incredible they literally had to tell us to sit down. (laughs) That was how much we all adored her. We had the huge standing ovation when she came in. And then another one when she left, she poked her tiny little head out and she was like, make sure you look for this part. It's really good. And it was the first time we had all seen it pretty much because it was the world premiere restoration. That was an incredible moment. Also, Kristen, I believe you were with me for this one in 2019 when we saw the Diane Baker panel that she did talking about the press and the love stories of...
0: It was about Hollywood fan culture and romance, where they were talking about how relationships were perceived in the press. And Diane Baker talked about how she was dating her high school sweetheart. You stole my punchline, Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) It's the second time I've done that on this show
1: between this and Bob Coster, I'm sorry. (laughs) I believe we were sitting in the front row and we were watching her and I was so enthralled. I only sit in the front row, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) We were so enthralled by her. And number one, I just loved the insight of the entire event. I don't know about anybody else. The host really reminded me of Robert Osborne. He was like a poor man's Robert. And I never got to see him. So that was really cool. Literally the moment where we were in the audience and it was at the tail end of the event and Diane Baker, she basically announced to the audience and to the world that she was dating this guy that she had been pictured with in the early 1950s. And it was just the sweetest moment. And we all were just learning this information for the first time. So it was like, we're getting juicy celebrity gossip from the woman herself. It was really, really awesome. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the time that I met Kristen (laughs) at Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. That screening in general was just so special for me. I was there with my sister and you could not have picked a better film to see that first time, that first year Mm -hmm. with my sister and I because she is, without a doubt, the Dorothy to my Lorelai. And that was really our first classic film that we both saw together and loved. So seeing that on the big screen with her was so special and meeting Kristen afterwards and just being at the Egyptian. That was my first time at the Egyptian. That was so special. I have to throw in seeing Bachelor in the Bobby Sox are on nitrate. And the moment that the entire audience found out for the first time that it was going to be Shirley Temple's own personal nitrate print The gasp, the collective gasp of the audience at that moment was so cool. And then one more, the final film that I saw my first year in 2018, and it was my first and my only so far silent film there with the live orchestra. Seeing Phantom of the Opera was so incredible. And it was a really a huge full circle moment for me because It was one of the first films that my grandmother ever introduced me to. Probably the first silent film I ever saw with her. She gave it to me. She was like, I love this film. You're going to love it. And seeing it on the big screen with her right next to me with a live orchestra, it could not have been more perfect. My heart. That's adorable. (laughs) I know. The programming is just so spot on always. It always just lines up perfectly with my memories of the people that I go with. Well, fingers crossed
0: that the world will make sense again and get things under control and that we will be making memories again next year in person. But I'm sure we will be making some interesting memories of our own this festival i know that i will be trying my damnedest to recreate the festival as much as i can this year actually spending some time at the roosevelt taking a nice long week off of work and planning to devote it to what tcm is showing both on the network and on hbo max so hopefully everybody can enjoy something and add to this list of amazing memories and we want to thank tcm for sending us some amazing memories of their own for us to include in this episode. That's going to close us out for this episode. Feel free to send us your favorite TCM memories. We'll still read them long after this episode is out. You can email them to us at ticklishbiz at gmail.com, or you can tweet them to us or DM them to us at our Twitter, which is at ticklish underscore biz. We also would recommend that you drop in on our website, which is journeysandclassicfilm.com. Kimberly does an amazing series of reviews for us of what's coming out. We have the show notes there. And we do have our upcoming special exclusive to the website, our talk with actress Ruda Lee. She talks all about her new autobiography, appropriately called Consider Your Ass Kissed. And shares some great stories about her work with the organization The Thalians. Talks about Lucille Ball. It is one of the most rollicking conversations we probably had. So keep your eye out on our website for that. You can always find me on Twitter at journeys underscore film. Samantha Ellis, what's going on with you? Where can fans find you online?
1: I am on Twitter, primarily at Classic Film Geek. You can find my blog at musingsofaclassicfilmatic.com. And you can find my Cooking with the Stars posts over at classicmoviehub.com.
3: And Kimberly Pierce, what about you? I am on Twitter and Letterboxd at kpierce624. And then also to quickly shout out, Ticklish Business is now on Letterboxd as well. I'm splitting my time between the two. So pop on over to ticklish underscore biz over there and follow us on Letterboxd. See what we're watching.
0: And don't forget, we are also on Instagram as well. We do share some fun photos over there and some little snippets from the episodes that you can listen to. We are available wherever you get your podcasts, by the way. But if you are visiting over on Apple Podcasts, please help us out. Leave us a rating, a review. We'd like to get to at least 50 reviews down the line if we can get there. I should also shout out, We do have an ongoing contest going on. If we hit either a 1,000 followers on Twitter or Instagram, I will be giving out a prize pack. That prize pack does include two out-of-print Fox box sets. We might actually give another one away because I just realized and found a third one, which is actually a copy of the second one. Somehow I bought two of the same box set at one point. We are going to be giving those away as well as a full set of Kate Gabrielle's exclusive TCM Film Festival host pins. We might add some more things to that package the longer this goes on, so if you want to get a chance to win any of those things and you're not following us on social media, please do so. But we will be back next time. Till then.